Hello everybody, welcome back to the sixth episode of the Pool Cleaner Hour. Absolutely wild that we're on episode number six, and I'm still your host, Tinkerbuff, here to fill your ears for the next little bit with some ramblings as you lounge in your mind's pool to cool off or heat up. It's your pool, it's up to you. I'm just here to make it comfy. As a disclaimer, I'm not an expert. I'll probably pronounce things wrong. Don't uh, take it too seriously. But if something piques your interest, use it as a springboard. So let's just have a nice time and possibly even scooch the envelope. Gloria Ramirez, a.k.a. the Toxic Woman. In 1994, there was a Californian woman by the name of Gloria Ramirez. She was battling late-stage ovarian cancer. She had a husband who was a reverend and two children. Anybody that knew her would always refer to her as a joy to be around, and sometimes she could even be quite a jokester. But one February night, Gloria was rushed to the hospital for cardiac arrest, and within 45 minutes, she would be dead on the table. Mysteriously following her death, nurses and doctors became incredibly ill, to the point of fainting, having difficulty breathing, and vomiting. So what the hell was going on? What the hell was going on? Gloria was only 31 years old when she was slammed by the heart attack. Dealing with her cancer, she was pretty used to health complications, but this was something far more severe. The sudden attack had her rushed to the ER, where nurses immediately noticed something unusual. When they drew her blood for testing, it came with a strong ammonia smell, and floating around inside the syringes were manila-colored flakes. When the nurses defibbed her chest, they found her skin was covered in an oil-like sheen. Medical staff also smelled a fruity, garlicky odor coming from her mouth. As the doctor studied the samples and tried to stabilize the woman, nurses began to feel sick. Susan Kane, an RN of 23 years, was first to notice the smell not only of her blood, but how that smell stuck to the syringe of the needle itself. She fell and would have cracked her head from how fast she dropped if another nurse hadn't caught her. Maureen Welch, a respiratory therapist, stated, It smelled like rancid blood, how blood smells when people take chemotherapy treatment. And that does make sense, considering Gloria's late-stage cancer. However, these toxins overtook Maureen next. After her, a third nurse passed out, and when she would awake later, she would find that she was unable to move her arms or her legs. That's when people began burning, their muscles were spasming, and nurses were passing out way too quick. Something inside Gloria Ramirez's body was turning her into a live canister of nerve gas. Soon, everyone was feeling sick, including the ER doctor in charge, Dr. Humberto Okia. He ordered everyone to leave the area. They, in fact, they went out to the parking garage, where they stripped down to their underwear and changed into hazmat suits. By this point, six nurses were completely down and hospitalized themselves. Gloria was still on the stretcher, but a secondary trauma team was trying to stabilize her. Unfortunately, with so many staff members unable to help, Gloria passed away quickly, but the toxicity remained. 23 total nurses and other staff would continue to end up hospitalized after her passing. One nurse, Julia Gorchinsky, would spend two full weeks in the ICU with severe breathing issues, pancreatitis, and avascular necrosis, a condition in which bone tissue is starved of blood and begins to die. The room was quarantined, and a special team would come in to examine the room later. They would diligently search the area for toxins, gases, or anything that could have caused such an eruption of health concerns, but they found nothing. Nothing. 
Gloria would be set in an aluminum casket until her autopsy, which would not take place for an entire week. Specialists went into the room to collect blood and tissue samples, as well as bags of air from the room. They spent 90 minutes collecting what they thought they could uh, gather and uh, whatever they just could from the room <laughs> before leaving the now airtight and now officially quarantined room. So how do you even follow that up? What even happens next after this? <laughs> well, word got out, and before her first autopsy could even be had, she was deemed the toxic lady by the press. In total, Gloria would have three autopsies performed. This first one, a second six weeks later, and then a third right before she would be finally buried properly. The autopsy performed by the California Riverside Hospital would require a special quarantined room and a more applicable hazmat suit for the surgical procedures. The first autopsy and subsequent toxicology testing found nothing abnormal and certainly nothing that would explain how this cancer patient became so incredibly toxic to the world around her. Obviously, these results were not acceptable. The second autopsy was more thorough, and then they found signs of Tylenol, lidocaine, codeine, nicotinamide, and Tegan in her system. Tegan is an anti-nausea medication, and it breaks down into amines in the body. Amines are related to ammonia, which could explain the ammonia smell. But they also found dimethyl sulfone. This is a natural sulfur compound found in the human body, as well as many fruits and vegetables. The substance has the ability to enhance the production of insulin and is essential for the synthesis of human collagen. It can only promote wound healing, but also contribute to metabolic and neurological health. Also, it's an adulterant in methamphetamine. An adulterant is a chemical which acts as a contaminant order when combined with other substances. So some people take it as a supplement or as a prescription, and once it enters the body, it only sticks around for about three days. However, the amount that was in Gloria's body six weeks after her death was three times the amount a person would ever normally have. And her death was still officially diagnosed as kidney failure, brought on by her late-stage cervical cancer. But people were like, no, that doesn't make any sense. And family members were obviously outraged after hearing about the hospital staff falling ill during the procedure and wondering why Gloria, in their minds, was just left to die. Uh, and investigations were called. It would be another two months before the funeral service would be held. County officials were worried that her body would create a mass sickness, so they ordered her corpse to be quarantined until it would be deemed officially safe. So buckle in and get ready for some bullshit, because the investigations are, uh, well, here we go. The first investigation would be held for several months. It was appointed by the county, and it was a two-person team of medical research professionals who would go on to interview every person exposed in the ER in the surrounding area on February 9, 1994. These two officials concluded that the overwhelming and foreign odors to the staff triggered what they would call mass sociogenic illness. This is otherwise known as mass hysteria. However, the hospital strongly called this out because these were ER nurses and most of them had been there for decades. So no, they're not going to panic because a patient smelled off. They're not going to freak out. They certainly have seen far worse than what this was going down. Uh, most people deemed that this investigation had to be trying to pull some shit because the majority of the staff, in fact, I think everybody but the doctor on the staff were female. So they were just like, oh, well, they're women, they're going hysterical, they couldn't handle it. 
Oh, <laughs> so, but thankfully this was the 90s, so we were doing a little bit better about not just casting women aside and calling them hysterical and, you know, shipping them off to an asylum. Uh, this actually would lead to several of the afflicted staff members to file defamation lawsuits for being told that they basically just imagined the whole thing. Uh, and they all won. Like, they sued the shit out of this hospital and the, uh, the county staff for telling them that they're making shit up. Uh, so this all circled back to the Riverside Hospital Coroner's Office. Uh, that coroner there was now under immense pressure to actually figure something out. So this guy contacted Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory to investigate and help him out. Lawrence Livermore originally wasn't in the medical business at all. They were actually a nuclear weapons maker and were very popular in doing so in the Cold War, but it's the 90s. So they are desperate for relevancy, and to keep their funding going, they established a forensic science center which is where Riverside called. After a little bit of testing, they stated that Gloria had been using the dimethyl sulfide, or DMSO, as a home remedy, saying that she must have been slathering it all over her body to help with the pain and swelling. They explained that the use of the dimethyl, combined with the oxygen in the ER, must have crystallized at room temperature. DMSO was considered a miracle substance back in the 60s. Even athletes used it and promoted it as they slathered it over themselves. It was said to relieve stress, anxiety, and help your muscles relax. Then some scientists tortured mice with it and found out it could make them go blind. So people were a little put off by it. It would still go on to gain a uh, secret underground kind of following as a cure-all for many types of ailments. Kind of like old school essential oils, I guess. <laughs> but by the late 70s, the only way to get this cream was in the form of a degreaser in the hardware store. And uh, the DMSO in this degreaser was 99% pure, rather than the very highly diluted original formula. Also, Gloria's family said there's no way. She didn't even have that much in her apartment. And when an investigation searched her apartment, they found this to be true. So it was back to the drawing board. So, Brian Anderson from Livermore Lab, he still sent this to the Riverside Hospital Coroner, who looked it over and said, you know what, I like it. This will shut everybody up. And then they could push the blame on the oxygen and the DMSO. Uh, so, it must have been them. It wasn't the hospital or anything. We don't know. The coroner released Anderson's report as an addendum to his final report. The coroner closed his file, and somehow this finding would go on to be published in the peer-reviewed publication Forensic Science International, even though world-class toxicologists chimed in and literally stated that this was a chemical impossibility for hospital-administered oxygen to set off this crystallization reaction. So the next theory was from the doctors who said, well, you know what, maybe Gloria, maybe, uh... Maybe she purposely ingested a lot of insecticides and pesticides to uh, commit suicide, and these toxins leaked into the ER somehow. People threw this out, because, I mean, what well, is just stupid, right? But also, these chemicals were never found in her body at all. They did the, the report. They know what was in her body. It wasn't there. Uh, so, you know, people were just throwing shit at the wall to see what would stick. Meanwhile, her body is still in the aluminum coffin while this is all going down. This aluminum coffin was not temperature regulated. It, uh, it was just chilling there because of something they made on the fly, um, which would come to be a, obviously a big problem. Gloria's family hired another coroner to perform an investigation because they're like, you know what? We don't trust you guys. You're not doing your job. We're just going to hire an independent person. So they found Dr. Richard Fukumoto, 
who was absolutely appalled at the state of her body, which had already begun to massively decay, because this this <laughs> coffin, it was in a faulty freezer. Oh, oh, and her heart was missing? Uh, the original coroner's office never returned all of her organs to her body. And also we found out that the organs were stained with random other fluids that were never originally there. He could tell people were just handling parts of her without gloves on. And he was unable to make any conclusive statements because of this. Just I, insane. Uh, so this brings us to what I'm going to deem as the most plausible theory, even though it is still out there on what could happen. But this is the meth theory. So this led Gloria's family to believe that there must have been some secret thing going on. Some sort of underground group of shady individuals must have spoiled and destroyed evidence as part of an elaborate cover-up. Even the New York Times actually agreed with them. They published an article in May 1997, so that's three years later, speculating that somebody was smuggling out methylamine from the hospital in IV bags. Methylamine, that's a cleaning chemical agent, and it's absolutely necessary in the process of creating meth. Riverside County was also already known as a massive meth town. In fact, it was one of the largest methamphetamine manufacturing and distribution points in all of America. And it was openly theorized during this investigation that perhaps one of the real IV bags was accidentally switched out with one of the bags meant for the meth manufacturing plant. And so this cleaning agent was probably directly stuck into Gloria's arm. This theory is further strengthened by the fact that the uh, methylamine, it turns into a gas almost immediately when it's exposed to oxygen. So there wouldn't be traces of it in her body as it was breathed in by the 23 hospitalized staff members. But remember, they did find the uh, nicotinamide, nicotinamide, which often does get cut into drugs like meth. Um, because it can give your body an added feeling of euphoria. That's that, that first base of the nicotinamide. That is nicotine. Um, so they will put that in there to give that extra boost. But even now, 29 years later, we still don't have any conclusive outcome as to what exactly happened that night. There were no legal ramifications from Gloria's death. Even though the coroner would report that he was unable to perform this job because of the massive negligence that her body went through. The most trouble the hospital endured was the investigative journalism and the nurses suing them for saying they were part of a mass hysteria plot. As for the negligence of Gloria's body and completely botched autopsy, nothing happened. So finally, on April 20th, 1994, ten weeks after her death, Gloria Ramirez was buried at Olivewood Memorial Park in Riverside, California. Gloria has not been treated right. Her death was unjust, and the treatment of her body has been unjust, was what was stated by Reverend Brian Taylor at the memorial service. He added, the people responsible need to be held accountable for that. But right now, we can finally give Gloria the dignity of a proper funeral. About a hundred people, nearly all of them relatives, attended the service where they kept television new crews outside. There was a ten-minute burial plot service where the reverend sang Amazing Grace, which was the tune that Gloria would often be heard humming around the house. There's not much that can be said about Gloria Ramirez that we know for certain besides this insane death and the conspiracies around it. Her family never, you know, they never wrote like a book. They never 
went out and did interviews. They really just wanted to kind of keep it to themselves. I really don't imagine they appreciated the media calling their mom or their wife the toxic woman. Even though, when you look her up, that is immediately what you see. Um, and that's what she's known for. But people that knew her, like we said in the beginning, they knew her as kind of a, a jokester. They knew her as a really happy person. She was a very religious person. Uh, and she, she didn't deserve this. She didn't deserve to become a, a bomb. And uh, actually, it's vaguely said that her case inspired a short anime segment in the movie Memories, which is uh, a bunch of short stories put together. And it's really similar about a man who takes a bunch of medication and becomes a uh, walking uh, Nero gas bomb and, and destroys an entire town. Um, it's super wild. It's just called Stink Bomb, if you want to look it up. It was free on YouTube, but God only knows if it's still there or how long that lasts. But, uh, yeah, that's it. That's, that's Gloria Ramirez. It's a case that not a lot of people have heard of. It's a case that I feel like hasn't been given enough justice because that hospital is still going. There's, and they, they never stopped or figured out if there's an official meth plant going on. And I kind of, I feel like that's important information. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I certainly would not want to take my loved ones or myself to the potential meth manufacturing hospital. But uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you've been enjoying the show. Uh, I got a lot of stuff coming up. I got several more episodes lined up. By episode 10, I'm planning on doing a uh, episode with some guests to kind of see how that's going to go. I know that's something that people have been wanting for a while. Uh, is just having more people on the show, making the episodes longer. And it'll be, uh, these will be probably once every five, once every ten episodes, something like that, where it's a bunch of topics that aren't long enough to justify an entire episode themselves. Uh, so it'll be neat. It'll be a little variety show. So look forward to that uh, between now and episode ten. And uh, I'll see you guys next Monday.